Father, we do want to thank you for this wonderful chance for us to be together to learn what is the most exciting thing in the world, which is to be like the Lord Jesus, to change from being old people into being brand new people. Help us to learn what that might mean for us today as we study the Bible. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I guess the Bible, these are the verses we're going to look at, Exodus chapter 20. To start with, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 20 verse 15, which says, You shall not steal. But if that's all the Bible reading we have, you won't feel like you've got your money's worth. So we'll have a bit more. Okay? Now I'm going to read to you about people stealing. Hey, these are church people stealing. Malachi tells us. Chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. I'll read it this time. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing, until there is no more need. And then the difference between the Old Testament, you shall not steal, and the difference Jesus makes. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28, in the same way, no, 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 it's chapter 4, verse 28, uh, and uh, read that to you, Exodus, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says this, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour, doing honest work with his own hand so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 to 5 We wanted to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction their abundance of joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. And now the last verse I'm going to read, uh, Acts chapter 20 verse 35, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, we're going to pause there for a moment while the children go off to their group and uh, we'll carry on in a moment. Let's just hold it there for a tick. Well, the children are gone, and we can have a great time together because I reckon this sermon will only take one minute.
Uh, look, uh, do not steal. You got that, haven't you? Uh, and it's the easiest commandment for us to keep, isn't it? I mean, who last week stole anything? You stole something. Ah, well, don't steal. Who, who has plans next week to steal anything? You have plans to steal. What are your plans to steal next week? Okay, um, well, um, some, some, you, you said that only because your dad's here and he's watching and therefore he'll go home and get hold of your sister and make her give your pens back, I'm sure. Uh, look, I think, uh, well, I tell you what, why don't, why don't I take these four thieves who put their hands up just now uh, to one side, I'll spend a bit of time with them, Hands up the rest who want the kettle on and just have a cup of tea or coffee instead. But well, before you do, let's think about this just a little bit more. Let me ask you three interesting questions. Who are the ones who need to be told not to steal? What kind of person needs to be told not to steal. Another question. Who do you think is qualified to tell another person not to steal? Question three. What should we remember and take home from this command? How should it affect us? Okay, first question. What sort of... Sorry, that, that shouldn't be that. Uh, forget that for a minute. Okay, we'll come back to that. What sort of person needs to be told not to steal? What's behind the urge to steal? Well, it's the desire to take, isn't it? You with me? No, I know stealing is full on uh, take what doesn't belong to you, but the desire behind stealing is to take. And who are the people who need to be told not to take? Surely, selfish people. Well, we want to take, don't we? If we're selfish people, we like to, to take. And Therefore, we suddenly find that this might be just a little bit closer to home than we think. Because, actually, if you talk about selfish people, you are actually talking about all people. And I'm afraid you're talking about your pastor. He needs to hear this command. And we need to talk about you as well. Now, I know you look wonderful and you don't look selfish, but you are. And if I wanted to prove it to you, I just invite you to come here on a Tuesday morning, 
and watch our toddler group. This was you when you were that age, okay? The smallest human beings in the world are here on Tuesday mornings and uh, they constantly take and take and take. In fact, we have to have the police here every Tuesday morning. Uh, they're in plain clothes and we call them mums, uh, but they have to say, give it back. Uh, fortunately, most Tuesdays, no charges are pressed. But a lot of stealing goes on and children take what doesn't belong to them because in the heart of the child is the selfish desire to take. And that's how we live. Now, when we're older, but of course we're much more sophisticated and polished, and we don't, of course, do that, obviously, except some of us might uh, just uh, stray down that line a little bit. So, we don't really stream illegal videos, do we? Or listen to music with illegal streaming in that way? Well, what's the, what's the excuse? Everybody does it. Okay, so it's not stealing if everybody steals. Yeah? Don't think that somehow makes sense. But most of the time, we don't do the obvious stealing. We, well, I'll tell you another test that reveals selfishness. The selfish I want to take heart is revealed in this way. We do not want to give. The heart that takes says, this is all mine, and it is going to stay all mine. That is the heart that takes. And that is ultimately, therefore, the heart that uh, wants uh, uh, not to give. Now, maybe some of us give every now and then, maybe just a bit. So, for example, uh, after the Manchester bomb relief, uh, uh, Ariana Grande comes back and does a concert and people give generously for the victims of the Manchester bomb, but they do a bit of taking as well, don't they? Because they buy the tickets to the concert. That's what they want to take, and it so happens the money will go to a good cause. But in the end, the heart is still the heart of a taker, not a giver. And it may be that there are some people where we might just give for a famine relief, or we might give to family that we want to support. Someone going through a rough time, and of course, to be generous. But our giving is generally limited, and it's usually close. We like to take rather than give. And that is the heart of a thief. And therefore, sorry, I'm getting completely lost by this. Uh, and um, you see that ultimately we don't give and we have the heart of a thief. And so all of us, therefore, yes, we may not go out this week intentionally to steal, but the heart is there. And if the heart is there, all it takes is a bit of pressure, a bit of need, 
and then an opportunity so we can do it without getting caught and then we will and so therefore all of us need to hear this command who does this command who should who should you hear this command well all of us should but let me ask the second question who is qualified to give this command what sort of person is qualified to give this command and the answer is someone who doesn't want to take who is the opposite who wants to give who has everything to give and therefore there is no need to steal who is the person who has a generous heart rather than a selfish heart who is therefore qualified to talk to selfish people there is such a person and he has got a name and his name is Jesus and he was very very poor why when he came and was born they put him in a borrowed manger when he traveled somewhere he had to do that on a borrowed donkey when he died they laid him in a borrowed tomb he had nothing and yet he gave and he gave and he gave he gave people sight when they couldn't see he gave people health when they couldn't walk he gave people food when they were hungry ultimately he gave people his own life as hannah said he was in the middle of two thieves but the giver of the universe was in the middle and he shows us that god is a massively generous giver he doesn't have the heart of a taker because god owns everything and therefore what would he take he alone is qualified to teach people how to be different how to give so what difference should this part of the bible make to us when we read it uh, the first thing that we ought to remember from this is how to be humble my friends if we are ever going to listen to god and have god speak to us one of the really helpful things we can do is to open up the bible and to let it shrink us show us what we're really like and the bible does that really well so in a part of the bible uh, hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 uh, i'll read it to you uh, to to save you going there it says that the word of god is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart god's word shows us what we're really like in other words 
cuts through all the flannel, it cuts through all the veneer of respectability we give ourselves. God's word gets to the heart of us, reveals what's there. And it is important for us to see what our hearts are really like this evening. That we are those who always want to take. And my friends, that is true, not of the world out there. It is just so easy, isn't it? In the Bible you get people called Pharisees. In the uh, New Testament they are always saying, hey, we are okay, it's everybody else out there. You want to meet a thief? Let me take you to Pentonville Prison. I will show you a few thieves down the road. In fact, we may not need to go to Pentecost, but we live in Dagenham, don't we? Yeah. You know what people say? What do you call a man from Dagenham in a suit? The accused. Okay? Um, and, and so therefore, we're, we're sort of meant to be other people, of course, uh, are, uh, are the thieves. Uh, not us. We're in church, surely. Really? Well, let me take you to... Uh, this part of the Bible, Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. Now we've read that already. It's the last book of the Old Testament before you get to Matthew and Malachi chapter 3. Well, remember Malachi, dear Malachi, he made us very embarrassed last week, didn't he? Because he spoke to us last week, if you were here, about the seventh commandment, about how we are not faithful in our marriages. Now Malachi is on it again. And he's on the case. And he tells us in chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, these words. For, for, uh, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. So Malachi says, look, the way it works is like this. God has commanded his people in the Old Testament to bring a 10% tithe of all that they receive. I might think that's a bit steep, but let me tell you that that 10% tithe was a fantastic teaching aid. It was teaching people that God gave them everything. I've used this illustration before, but let me try it out on you again. Let's say that I give Rob a thousand pounds, okay? <laughs> and he's got a thousand pounds from me. And he's got the thousand pounds and said, this belongs to Mike. Okay, I said, uh, Rob, look, just give me a hundred. Do you think Rob would be happy? Why? <coughs> Why? He's got, got 90. So what that little gift exchange shows Rob is that actually 
God's been very generous to me. Look what I've got. I'm very happy to give you this. Whereas the person who doesn't tithe, I just basically think, look, I have given this all to myself. This is all mine. Therefore, no one else gets a look in. I keep everything. So that 10% is a way of reminding God's people, teaching ourselves, that everything we've got is God's, and well, this is a great joy for us to give. Because look how much He has still given me in my hand. As the Bible teaches 10% uh, tithing everything, because God owns everything. And Jesus showed that he had owner's rights over everything, because there was a man who was very rich, and he came to Jesus and said, what do you want me to do? And Jesus said, give everything to the poor, come and follow me. Everything. That's Jesus saying, I have owner's rights over everything. I can tell you what to do with everything. But he doesn't tell us that. He tells us, well, 10%. I have owner's rights over everything. You can enjoy my generosity. See how much I've given to you. So it is a very, very humbling thing to see that even though that is all that God wants out of all that he has given us, we still don't want to give it. Our hearts are still feeling reluctant and not wanting to uh, uh, give. At least that's what was happening in Malachi's day. They were withholding their tithes. The full tithe wasn't coming in. And when we withhold our generosity, it shows that we have the heart and the actions of a thief. That's what Malachi tells us. It is a very humbling thing for us to hear what the Bible has to say. Uh, the cup runs deep and you see the selfishness that is ultimately there. But as well as giving us humility, the Bible also gives us hope and makes us hopeful. Because the big announcement that we take from this passage is that when a person becomes a Christian, when a thief follows Jesus, they now turn into somebody who gives. That's what you get in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with those in needs. That's interesting, isn't it? So that he has something to eat when he gets home. No, so that he has something to share. That's the heart that has changed. From being selfish to sharing. And that is an amazing difference that you see only God can make. And you see that in uh, 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 8 and uh, that amazing church in Macedonia. Chapter 8. Uh, if you want to follow it, actually, it might be a good thing to do. Have a look at it. There's one particular thing I want to draw your attention to. And you haven't really had to go around the Bible too much so far. Page 967. 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, 
We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. Begging people to give. Hey, where does that happen? It doesn't. But there is a reason why it happened here. And that's there in verse 1. We wanted to know about the grace of God. That's the reason it happened. It's not the Macedonian church he wants to tell them about. It's the grace of God he wants to tell them about. And the grace of God is repeated again in verse 9. That's why I want you to open this passage, because we didn't read verse 9 on the screen, but I want you to read it now. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Farsi word is phase, I think. Yeah. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So the grace of God leads people to look at Jesus. Before they give, they give themselves to the Lord to have a look at him and to say, he was rich and he became poor. Now, tell me again about that need. That's how grace works. And it allowed these people who were extremely poor to abound in generosity. In other words, these guys, even though they were poor guys, gave us rich guys. Only rich people can give this kind of way with this kind of generosity. What made them rich? The fact that they understood the Lord Jesus. They was rich, became poor, and so therefore gave us all his riches. So of course we can help. You see the difference it makes? In the Old Testament, you have this 10% idea where, well, you have the Pharisee saying, okay, so tell me the amount that I want to give again. I've got to give 10%, have I? And you get to the Macedonians and say, no, actually, that's Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have a new model. Christ, who was rich, became poor. Give. Give like that. Remember, in a couple of commandments back, we said that the trouble with the Pharisees is that they always wanted to minimize what they had to do. Tell me, tell me where the line is so I can just about hit that line and I don't need to do anything more than that. 
If I get the line there, I know when my giving can stop. Okay? Pharisees say, I want to basically toe the line, not go an inch above it. Come into the New Testament, give all you can. You go from minimum to max out in generosity, uh, the way God did. And so therefore it is just uh, important, isn't it, for us to uh, think through the generosity of God. And we've looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 to see how that grace was revealed in the Lord Jesus, now revealed in his people. So therefore let's see what the what implications of grace are for us today. Okay? First, if you are someone who maybe isn't a Christian and you've kind of read, read the newspapers, you might be excused for thinking the church is always after your money. And look, you've come into church today and guess what they're talking about? They're after your money, aren't they? No, we're not. Let me put that st stop sign up and say, no, that's not worth it. You know we come here week by week. We never ask for a penny from anybody. Okay? Because we know that the non-Christian heart never feels like it's got enough. Always feels like it's got too little and is worried. And therefore, we are never going to ask a non-Christian to give us any money as a church. We'd much rather people come and enjoy hospitality and enjoy Christian love extended towards them. But in that process, will you please notice the generosity of God because others are willing and able to look after and pay for the opportunity for every single person on our estate to hear about the Lord Jesus, mm -hmm. to come into an understanding of his riches. And my friends, in that process of being on the receiving end without ever having to part with a penny, please will you notice the generosity of God? <coughs> And please will you notice the open door of invitation for you to lose a selfish heart, a taking heart, and to be turned into someone who is rich and Christ-like in your love for other people. And genuine love is expressed as we uh, are generous in our care for them. What happens if you go to church and you've been taught about uh, tithing and how important that is and how we need to bring 10% and so on? Well, and the Pharisee in church at this point says, I'm okay, I can tick that box. I bring my tithe. But the reality is that the heart doesn't want to. I'd much rather keep it. But I will because that's part of the deal and I do the deal. But my friends, we might think that God is impressed by that, but really he isn't. 
And you see that he isn't when you read about a couple in Acts chapter 5 called Ananias and Sapphira. You know what they did? They sold a field of land to give to the poor. Well, how generous is that? And what they did was they gave most of the proceeds of that sale away, but they kept a little bit to themselves. Well, what's wrong with that? And they're still being generous, aren't they? More than 10%. But what happens to them? They die. They die because in the end they say they give, but they don't really want to give. And the Bible says that is ultimately the unchanged heart of a taker, not a giver. And my friends, it may be that when you look at the list of people who will not get into heaven, who will not inherit the kingdom of God. You look at that list in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and you might say, well, last week we were talking about adulterers and fornicators and homosexuals, and maybe they don't enter the kingdom of heaven, and I suppose we've expected the church to say stuff like that. But I tell you what, would you expect that list to include not only the sins of sex, but the sins of the city, greed. That's one of the list. Greed is the heart of a taker. Those who have such a heart will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And we need to be careful how we think that uh, our tithing itself is going to be sufficient. We need to be careful of the heart. Mm -hmm more than uh, the amount. And then lastly, what happens if you are a believer? Well, my friends, uh, I want to suggest this is a good day to start the adventure of giving with massive amounts of joy. Absolutely love to give. And keep your eye on the Lord Jesus who Though he was rich, became poor, so that you can be rich. Now then, think about how much you might want to give in the light of that. It's a giving all you can joy that we have. Yes, okay, uh, tithing, it's a good place to start. If you've not, never given before, well, that's not a bad place to start. But it's a place to start. It's not the minimum, but the maximum that we want to aim at. And we need in our heart of hearts, in some ways it doesn't matter what the amount is, in some ways it doesn't matter what you give to. But it does matter that you give joyfully, because God loves a cheerful giver. I learned this lesson. We belong to a network of churches called Co-Mission and one of the things that Co-Mission do when they give out their money is they say, great! My friends, we delight to give you this money. It makes us so happy to be able to do that. That is the heart of Co-Mission. And that is the heart of a real believer when it comes to being generous. Let me end by giving that final part of the Bible that we read just now on the screen. We know it. Um, 
in Acts chapter 20 and uh, verse uh, 35. I haven't got it written here, but uh, I think that's uh, where it is. Acts chapter 20. I'd better check, hadn't I, because this is going on tape and I don't want to get it wrong. So Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Yes, it is. In all things I've shown you, by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's much more blessed to give than to receive, my friends. What this commandment opens up for us is a whole new doorway of blessing. As we give, you will remember what God said in Malachi, the storehouse is open. Now please do not think that we preach a prosperity gospel here, that if you give God one pound, somehow he'll find a way of giving you ten. We're not teaching that. Okay? God will give you back. It is unlikely to be in the form of more money. But he will give you back. And he will look after you. And you will enter into a new world of delight, experiencing his care for you and experiencing the grace that he has given you to be like him. God loves a cheerful giver. My friends, the answer to a selfish heart is a new heart. A new heart that is filled with grace, a new heart that looks at what Jesus has done and then responds. And that is that heart that uh, God alone can give as he opens the door of blessing to a new life of generosity, to be like him. Let me have a moment while we pray for that. And it may be that if you are uh, yourself uh, uh, maybe not convinced about Christian things, it may be that uh, you might ask God to show you humbly through the Bible what our heart is really like and ask him to open the door to a new heart, a new generosity in your life. If you're someone who's a Christian, uh, been around church, maybe you might think, well, tithing's a good thing. And my friends, Tithing is not a great thing if our hearts ultimately don't want to give. Don't give. But ask God to change the heart. And ask God to change your heart by showing you his grace. Looking at his son. Before we look at the needs of others. Let's pray God will give us a new and different heart. In a moment of uh, quiet, let's take a minute to pray silently to God. And then I'll pray and close together our time. But let me uh, finish by praying. If you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so, by, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Our Father, we pray that you would please help us to keep that grace in front of our eyes that we may resemble the Lord Jesus in our generosity and our love and we pray that for the glory of his name 
Amen.